is this in which you trust? Uh, we're going to be looking in Psalm chapter 46 today. If you've got your Bibles, you want to turn with me over to there. You can be finding your way. But Psalm chapter 46, verse 1, starts off, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, I don't know about you. I'm going to get this thing fixed, Bobby. I don't know about you, but I read that and I, I'm encouraged. And I have a, uh, just a sense of peace. Uh, just by hearing that verse, I don't know how much that helps you, but it helps me to know that I have a refuge, I have strength, and there is help with me. And um, I, I think back to that, and I think, man, that'd be good to stick up on a wall somewhere, big letters, so I could read that every day. Uh, maybe have it uh, monogrammed on a big pillow and stick on the end of the bed or the couch, or uh, maybe I could post it to my Facebook, which I don't have. But maybe I could do that sometime if I get a Facebook. I could stick it on there, and man, that would just be great and awesome. And, and I really think that's where we're at. We like to see that, and we like to display it in our lives, um, but it's different, really, when you're, when you're doing it and when you're applying it to your life. Uh, Corey talked about there in that song a minute ago about even if, you know, the times that are hard and the times that are tough, that even if, we know God is faithful, but it's hard in those times. But this morning we want to be reminded of God uh, and that he is our refuge and our strength and a very present help in trouble. Uh, we had the opportunity. We got back yesterday. We uh, Lord blessed us with another opportunity to go down to Land Between the Lakes and uh, ride some horses. And thankful for that. And I'm going to pick on my mom just a minute. I was thinking about this yesterday. We was uh, riding along. She's here, so maybe she won't get me too much. I love you, Mama. Glad you're here. But uh, we was riding along, and uh, I was thinking about her confidence. And uh, Mom, she was in the wagon there with Dad, and he was, he was driving the couple of horses and at a few times during the ride i'm not for sure that her confidence was very strong in those horses uh especially a couple of times going up a few hills and i aggravated her about uh maybe that was a time for her to draw nearer or closer to the lord and i think she was singing that uh nearer my god to thee and uh, uh she had her eyes closed i don't think she was asleep so she was praying, I'm pretty sure, uh, in that moment. And I think a lot of times that's, uh, that's where we have to get to. We have to get in situations that maybe seem difficult or stressful or uh, we just don't know where else to go but to the Lord. And this morning, I'm glad that he's there, uh, that he's waiting for us, but we shouldn't have to get to those times before we go to him. But it is good to know uh, that he is there waiting. And he allows us sometimes to go through some hard times to help us to understand that he is greater than our troubles, and we can trust him, and we can have confidence in him. Um, so if you would, uh, again, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. James, he told us to count it all joy when we face trials and tribulations, so we're going to speak a little bit about that this morning. Brother Blake, I think he left off last week and uh, led us in Acts chapter 26, and he'll get back to that um, when he's back here, and we're looking forward to that. So, But where Paul was, he was there on trial with King Agrippa, and uh, Paul continued to proclaim that his life had been changed by Jesus Christ, by the resurrected Jesus Christ. He met him there on the Damascus Road, and um, his hope was fully in him. And uh, that was where his strength was coming from. He was renewed daily, and uh, along with that, uh, we are too. And, and uh, so, and then... Um, I was thinking about that, and I was just encouraged last week as I left here. I was strengthened, renewed, and about our hope that is in Jesus Christ. And then Monday morning happens, uh, as it does every week, and uh, I was driving to work, and I had my radio on, and they come across the news. Y'all remember what happened last Sunday evening? 
it's hard to think about, but how good things are one moment and then how tragic they can happen. Uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, I think the last count I heard was 59 people lost their lives and around 500 were injured. And it was said to be the deadliest mass shooting in U.S. history. And, uh, and then I began to think about all the other things that's been happening over the last few weeks and months and the, the hurricanes and fires and devastation been going on in Puerto Rico and Mexico and uh, Florida and Texas and just the, the families that have lost loved ones and uh, they're hurting. Some of them have lost their homes and everything that was in them and um, they've just lost everything and a lot of catastrophic events there that are hard to even imagine for us. We're sitting in here in a comfortable room this morning and uh, some things that are just really difficult to us even grasp. And um, they're facing some hard times. And I thought about that. And, uh, and then there's a lot of those things that we hear about, but there's a lot of those things that never make it to the news, do they? They don't make it in our world news. And those are the things you may face individually uh, on your own every day. The difficulties of raising children. We see a lot of Lord's blessed us here with a lot of children, but sometimes it's a little difficult at times. Uh, if we were to be honest, um, the stress is at the workforce or at your workplace or maybe at school. A lot of you are still in school, uh, and it becomes stressful. The strains of finances. Uh, when you go to the mailbox and there's a lot more bills in there than there is funds in your account to cover those. Um, lots of different things. What about challenges of relationships? Marriage is awesome, but sometimes it can be difficult. You have to work at it. Um, sometimes uh, maybe the lack of a relationship. Maybe you've been stressing with that for a long time. Maybe you've had some family issues, uh, some, maybe some test results, or maybe the loss of loved ones. Uh, there's lots of things that we struggle with daily that maybe not ever make it to the news, but to us they're huge, and we have to face those and deal with them. Uh, so then we begin to look at all that's going on around us, maybe in our own lives, and we get a little bit discouraged. I don't know about you, but sometimes we get weighted down and uh, get discouraged. And uh, the problem is when we get discouraged, I think it's easy to lose our confidence. And that's what we're talking about this morning. And when we lose our confidence, then we begin to doubt. And that's exactly where Satan wants us to be. He wants us to doubt God. And uh, the enemy, he's continually whispering, or maybe he's yelling in your ear, whichever one it is, but uh, that things aren't going to get better. They're, they're horrible looking and uh, they're tough. And so why do you even need to try? Just give up. Go ahead and give in. There's no use of per, uh, persisting on. Maybe he's telling you just to try things on your own. God's way hasn't been working. So maybe you need to get away from that. He whispers all these little subtle things to us to try to get us away from his confidence in the Lord, our confidence in the Lord. And uh, the problem with that is the world is watching us. The lost world is seeing that, and they're watching us to see how we answer this question. What, is, what confidence is this in which you trust? Uh, so we're going to look in here this morning. I want to encourage you today, uh, don't let your circumstances dictate your commitment. I want you to stay focused on the Lord. And you see, as, as, uh, as our confidence is not to be in our circumstances, and um, those things are temporary. If you look, all the things around us, uh, many things that we'll forget about even this time next year, they're temporary. They don't last um, those things, they're constantly changing. The weather's changing. Um, we were coming in yesterday, and they were talking about another storm, I think, coming in in the Gulf. Those things are continually changing daily. Um, but God's Word is not. So that's where we want to go back to. In Psalm chapter 119, I read through this here the other day in my reading, and it was uh, verses 8, 89 and 90. It says, Forever, O Lord, your Word is settled in heaven. Verse 90 says, Your faithfulness endures to all generations. God's word is eternal. 
So when you want to put your hope and your confidence in something, look at God's Word and uh, go back to it because those things never change. It never has and it never will. So we want to encourage you and strengthen you today just to place your trust in the Lord and in His Word and um, not in happenings. Um, those things will change. Our confidence is in Christ. And uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, it reminds us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and when? Forever. So we can count on him today and we can count on him tomorrow because we can look back at the past and see how he's been faithful. Uh, God has always been faithful to his people and you can count on him to be faithful to you also or if you are in Christ. And uh, Jesus, he warned his disciples or he told them about things that were coming up as he uh, prepared to go to the cross. He says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. That's where your peace is going to come from, in Jesus Christ. And he contrasts it there. He says, the world, though, he says, if you're focusing on them, he says, in the world you will have tribulation. But he says that you can be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. Isn't that good news? That's a good reminder today, again, that God is our refuge and our strength, and he is our help. So continue to go back to him. So I want to ask you this morning, as we're, as we're beginning and talking, do you have peace in your heart? Do you have confidence? And who is that in or what is that in? Um, I've been blessed, as I said a while ago, about reading through the Psalms. And, uh, man, the Psalms are a blessing. If, you, if you're not currently have a reading plan or not reading, I would encourage you to just start in Psalms. Uh, they're a little difficult sometimes because they don't necessarily give us all the content of what's going on. So you may have to do a little studying to find out where that psalmist is coming from, where the writer is coming from. And, uh, but the cool part is a lot of the other scriptures and, and books, they, they give us that, but they don't necessarily tell us about what's going on inside of the person. They tell us about what's going on around them, around all their surroundings and what's happening around them, but not necessarily in them. And I think we can go back to the scriptures here in Psalm and, and look about how they dealt with things their praise and their prayers, and uh, that gives us some hope and some direction on how we can deal with situations in our life. And they just remind us of God's faithfulness and to remind us that uh, that we're not the first ones that's ever faced any problems. You may seem like it. You may be dealing with some things today. You think, man, nobody else knows what I'm going through. Nobody else in the world has ever had this much trouble in their life. But you can go back into Psalms and you can read those and be reminded that other people have had problems. And the good part about that is with other people's problems, you can see that there's been solutions to those problems. And that is in uh, faith in God. So, again, we want to encourage you to that. God is faithful to his people. Uh, Again, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 46. But to understand that, again, as we look at that scripture and that text, we kind of got to go back and see where the writer's coming from. So, if you got your Bibles, it's not going to all be up on the screen, um, this part of it. But if you've got your Bibles, turn over to 2 Kings. Uh, chapter 18, and to give you a little background about where the writer's coming from. I'm in a New King James Version this morning, so uh, it may sound a little different from yours, but that's okay. We're going to start in verse 1. We're going to skip through a little bit. I won't read the whole text. Um, Bobby Markham only brought a package of nabs, and I don't think he's got enough for everybody. So, all right, we're going to read parts of it here. It says in, in 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass in the third year... Of Hosea, the son of Elah, I might not pronounce all these right, but king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began his reign. And he started out as a young man here. He was 25 years old, it says, and when he became king, and he reigned for 29 years. 
Um, it says in verse 3, And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. So I want to ask you this morning, just starting out, what about you? If we took a snapshot of your life over the last year, the last 10 years, maybe the last week, maybe the last, maybe last night, could that be said of you? Have you done what was right in the sight of the Lord? And that's where we're looking at this morning. Hezekiah, he was focused in his, in his service to the Lord. It says in verse 4, it says, He removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars, cut down the wooden image, and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days the children of Israel had burned incense to it, and they called it Nehushtan, however you say that. Somebody else might can pronounce it better. The problem was they were taking all these things, and they were, they were worshiping those. They had made idols out of these things that God had given them before to remind them of him. Now they had turned them around and made idols out of them. So Hezekiah comes in, and he restores proper worship back to God. And I'm thankful this morning for Brother Blake and Brother Todd and just their commitment to uh, push our church towards serving the Lord and just in his word and not looking at all these other things but just to continue in God's faithfulness. And uh, that's where Hezekiah, he points the people back to God. It says, verse uh, 5 here, says, He trusted in the Lord, uh, in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord, and he did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord uh, had commanded Moses. The Lord was with him. He prospered wherever he went. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. And that's what we're going to look at today. This is where this story is coming from. He says, uh, he goes on over into uh, verse 13. And the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sanharav, uh, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. There's this uh, pretty bad dude comes up. And he's taking over all of Judah, and he's working his way down. He gets to Jerusalem, and he comes up on this little town here that's a little different. He sees that they've been worshiping the Lord, and um, he knows there's something different about them. But he's, he's got a plan to take them over, too. But Hezekiah, again, he is faithful, and he's committed. And it goes on uh, in verse 19, and it says that, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this in which you trust? Again, here he's questioning God's authority, questioning who God is uh, to Hezekiah and his people. And uh, so he moves on. He begins to threaten them and uh, tell them kind of what he's going to do. He's going to take their city. And verse 29, thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you from his hand. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying the Lord will surely deliver us. The city shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria. Again, he's beginning here to uh, doubt, put doubt in the people there, or trying to. And verse 33, has any of these gods, the nations at all, delivered its land from the hand of the king of Assyria? And he's pointing back to all these other nations. And it says there was a little G gods. They was putting their faith in the little G God. And he had. He had took over all those others. But now he's facing one that is serving the big G God. And um, so he says in verse 19, And so it was when King Hezekiah heard it that he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went into the house of the Lord. So I ask you this morning, where do you go when you face trials or tribulations? Is it to the Lord or is it somewhere else? 
Uh, and he goes on, chapter 19, verse 14, And Hezekiah removed the letter from the hand of the messenger. So they write this letter to him, again, to King Hezekiah, saying he's going to take over everything. And he reads it, And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord, and he spread it out before the Lord. And then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord. And he goes on there, and he just pours it out to him. And he says about who God is and his faithfulness, and he understands that, and he puts his trust in him. Uh, but the important part that he's, he brought it to the Lord first and foremost. He didn't take it. He didn't mull over it and try to figure out his plan and how he was going to stand up against this. But he brings it to the Lord. And I think that's where we fail a lot of times. We don't take things to the Lord. He says in verse 19, Therefore, uh, our Lord, uh, O Lord our God, I pray, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone. And uh, he just wanted God to get all the honor and glory for it. He knew he was, he was faithful and he was going to protect them, but he didn't want it to do uh, just for his own praise, but for God's praise. And uh, so he goes on here, and the Lord answers him. In, chapter, in verse 34, he says, For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And it goes there, and it closes out with verse 35, and it tells what happened. At, uh, at the battle that night, it says, And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp the Assyrians, 185,000. And when the people arose early in the morning, there were corpses all dead. That angel of the Lord had come in that night, and he had took care of the problem. Hezekiah didn't have to do anything. His army didn't have to do anything. God was faithful, and he was the refuge and strength. So, again, that's kind of a looking back and to uh, into the story, and now we're, we pick up in Psalm chapter 46, and it's just a reminder uh, that God was on their side, and he is on our side. And this account here, it was meant to encourage God's people then, and the same it is for us now. It's meant to encourage us. So, uh, so we go back here to our scripture in Psalm chapter 46, verse 1. It says, God is our refuge. And strength, a very present help in trouble. So if you'll look at that, uh, the language there is a very present tense. God is, it says, a present in trouble. And if you've been around very long, uh, if you've lived very long, you know that there's going to be some troubles that come along in your life. Um, and he doesn't mention anything here about the fortified cities or the, the great armies that maybe he had. Um, he didn't mention about how good his self was, Hezekiah. He wasn't bragging on his people and what they were going to do, but he was bragging on God. And he said that God is faithful, and he pointed back here to God first and foremost. He wants to bring up that God is the one who, was, uh, who they could find safety and peace and security in. And so many times, like we said a while ago, we go to lots of other things or maybe even people, and we choose God as a last resort. But Hezekiah here points us back. He says that God is where we should start. Uh, he was reminded that in this world we are going to have troubles. Psalm chapter uh, 122, verse 4 says, Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Uh, God knows that we're facing things. He knows that uh, what our situations are. But it's good to know that we don't have to leave a message with God. We don't have to wait for him to come back from vacation before he answers, before he takes care of our situation. He's faithful, and he is always there. Uh, so I want to ask you again, where do you find your refuge and strength? We move on here into verse uh, 2 and 3. It says, uh, Therefore we will not fear, 
Even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, Selah. And uh, so we look at this, and he says that, therefore, we will not fear. Again, we're reminded back that God is our refuge, God is our strength, he's our help. So we don't have to fear. And he says, even though. So he knows that there's going to be times that even though. He uses this word, though, to remind us that, man, it's going to happen. There's going to be things in our life. And uh, the writer here, he's looking back, and he paints a pretty uh, rough picture. It looks pretty bad. And I don't know about you, but these seem like a lot of things that would probably bring some uh, some anxiety to your life. And uh, so maybe you're here this morning and you've got some things in your life that are looking pretty tough. And maybe they're bringing some anxiety into your life. And um, you don't know where to go. And you don't think that it can get any worse. These things sound pretty bad. I don't know how it could get much worse than this. But you feel like everything is coming down on you. And the burden is pretty heavy. But the reminder is that God is still there. He reminds, I think, Joshua that he says he will never leave you nor forsake you. So that's where we're at today. The same promise is from the same God. And uh, then he uses this little word here, Selah or Salah. And it's an interesting word. Um, and he uses it, I think, three times throughout this particular chapter. And uh, if I studied right and looked at it and said it was a technical music term, uh, they used it a lot in the Psalms and throughout Scripture. And it's kind of a, uh, a pause or an interruption in the Scripture. And I believe that's what the writer was doing here. He's reminding us uh, to don't get, get stuck here in these things. There's lots of bad things that seem like they're going on. It looks pretty rough. And I think we have a tendency a lot of times just to get stuck in our promises or in those problems and not see the promises of God. I used to watch that movie or show Hee Haw. Anybody ever see that one? They used to sing those three guys would be on there and they'd say, gloom, despair, agony on me. Yeah, I think we sing that a lot. And we continue to dwell on our problems and we forget about God's promises. And the psalmist here, he just says, simply stop. He says to pause to restart, and to refocus your thoughts back on the Lord. And uh, so that's what we want you to do this morning. If you're facing those things, again, just to remember where your strength and where your refuge is and to go back to him. Um, we're moving on here in verse 4. It says, There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle, the most high, of the most high. Um, the writer here, he moves on from a place of distress into a place of peace. And he points us back to that peace in God. And he contrasts it there in lots of chaos that's happening in those former verses. All those things were happening. The earth's moved and the mountains moved and the waters uh, were bad. And he goes in here to a place of peace. Um, the river whose streams make glad the city of God. Um, I really like studying about this part. As I read through it and studied about it, if you'll go over and read just a little bit in Second Kings chapter 20, verse 20, it talks about the end of Hezekiah's life. And it kind of points us back to what this is talking about here with this river. And it mentions here in Hezekiah's death some of the things that he's done. In verse 20 it says, Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah, all his might, and how he made a pool and a tunnel and brought water into the city, they are not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah. Um, the problem and the fear of these fortified cities and like where Hezekiah there was in Jerusalem and this, the, the king of Assyria was coming after them, the problem a lot of times they would have big built-up cities, big walls that would protect them. 
But after a while, if they were to stay there for a long time, they run out of water. And uh, so Hezekiah, he knew that they would have some days ahead of them that was going to be rough. And uh, they was uh, in a very dry and arid place there in those eastern cities. And um, he knew that they had to do more than just take camp in there. They had to be prepared to last. Uh, so Hezekiah, he planned ahead and he prepared Jerusalem for the impending siege. And he had a tunnel dug. And you can go on and look online. There's pictures and different things. But he had a tunnel dug from the Gahan Spring to the Pool of Siloam, and, uh, which it was around 1,800 feet uh, long. And the big deal about that was it was all through solid rock, and it was underground. I was reading some different places. They said they thought that a lot of the engineers or whatever that day, they would be under there digging, and some of the others would be up on top, and they would be banging kind of on the ground to kind of give them the route to go. Um, but the point is here that they, they, were, they were working towards uh, being prepared for those sieges uh, and for those times of trials and tribulations. And the armies didn't know about that hidden stream that they had. And we're looking back here at this river. Um, then that's exactly where Satan wants us to be in it. He wants us to be cut off from the water, uh, from that river of life and this stream here that, that makes the glad the city of God. He wants to take away that. Uh, and he wants you to keep you as far away from the living water as he can. If you look back in John chapter 4 where Jesus meets that lady at the well, uh, he begins to ask her for a drink of water. And she says that she can't give him that drink of water. And he says, well, I would give you a drink of water. But the water that he's wanting to give her is not the physical water. He says in verse 13, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. He's saying that physical water that they're drawing out of that well, that's going to run out. But he said, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give... Um, you see, that I shall give will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Again, that water, that everlasting water that, that will sustain you is only found in, in Jesus Christ. Uh, so many times we start out our, our problems like that. We may miss a day in our quiet time or our daily study. Uh, and then the second one rolls by and we sleep in a little bit longer and it just makes things a little easier. Third day goes on and then before you know it um you don't even remember the last time that you picked up god's word and read through and heard him speak to you or maybe it's been a long time since you've had a conversation with him you just hadn't even stopped to speak with him um and then it becomes becomes hard to even get back to that point to where you can even have a conversation with him uh maybe you slept in and missed church a couple times and then the fourth sunday rolls around and you don't even know that your alarm clock went off uh, so the results is being away from that, we become spiritually dehydrated. And uh, that was the problem with these fortified cities. A lot of times they didn't have water to sustain them. And uh, that's where Satan wants you this morning. He wants you to become dehydrated spiritually. And uh, then you become so weak uh, that you can't withstand the battles here. Uh, so maybe you're here this morning. You need to be like Hezekiah. and You need to begin digging that well and get back to the water source and get back to the living water. Um, we move here on verse 7, or 5 through 7. It says, God is in the midst. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just as the dawn breaks, uh, the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. He uses that word again there just to stop and pause. But if you'll look back, the break of dawn there, he's talking about remembering back to when, again, the angel came that night 
in the night when they were all asleep. And in the break of dawn, they woke up and saw that he had defeated all the enemy and all that was going on. Uh, I heard a statement here a while back that sometimes the days are long, but the years are short. Sometimes the nights are long. Um, Caleb's about two months old, and he hadn't figured out the whole thing that you're supposed to sleep all night. And uh, sometimes it feels like that. And in the trials and things that we're going through, we feel like the nights are forever. And then you look back and you think how short life is. And uh, we just need to be reminded of, of God's faithfulness that he shows up uh, on time every time. He showed up there in the night when they needed him. And he slayed those 80, 185,000 um, armies, people. And uh, so, again, just a reminder of who he is. Moving on here into verse 8, he says, Come and behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease uh, to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots in fire. Um, if you'll look into that, it's just a call to remembrance, to look back at the words of the Lord, to see what he has brought you through and how he has brought you through it, how he's provided, how he's given you strength and courage uh, for the future. And uh, that's why it's so important that you be connected in God's word individually, daily, uh, to be reading and getting that nourishment that you need, just like that living water. You need that nourishment daily. Uh, that manna from God it says the Bible, uh, so so many scriptures through here about how God has um, been faithful and provided for his people. Uh, so it's just a reminder, again, about who he is, and he is our refuge and our strength. Um, got to study and look in here a little bit, and I don't know, I hope you can see it. But there was a study done by Lifeway, I think it was back in 2012, but I hope the numbers are better now. But if you look here... Um, I want you to kind of take a little inventory of where you're at in your own life. It says that this was a survey done of about 2,900 USA Protestant churchgoers. These are not people outside church. These were faithful people going to church, being part. But it says here, how often I read the Bible. And of those people, it says 19% read their Bible every day. Sorry, I don't show it very good. Only 19% of the people who believe that they need to be in church every Sunday worshiping, actually take time to spend time with God in his word and hearing from him. It says 26% just a few times a week. They, they go occasionally. 14% maybe once a week. At least once a month there's about 22% people do that. And 18% of these churchgoers rarely or never open God's word outside of probably Sunday morning service. I hope that's not Greensburg Baptist. But I'm just saying this is, in the, this is a survey that they did of churchgoers. See the importance of God's word. If we become spiritually dehydrated, man, we're not going to be able to stand up and we're not going to be able to face those trials. You need a daily nourishment. And uh, not only in God's word, uh, but in your own life, uh, journaling. I don't know how many of you do journals. If you don't, I would encourage you. That is one place I want to grow uh, because I have started here a while back. And it's just encouraging to look back and see God's faithfulness, not only through his scriptures and in these people's lives, but in my own life. So I want to encourage you this morning to start journaling, if you're not, uh, just the importance of that and uh, writing down and then going back and looking. I can look back over the last few years on how God has been faithful uh, to me and my family and how he's blessed. And it just encourages me to know in the future that that same God who took care of those things is the same God who will take care of the other things that's coming up. So I want to encourage you this morning to find strength in that and how God has worked in your life. 
and share that testimony. You'll have opportunities to share with people as you go along about where your confidence is coming from. Move here into verse 46, verse, uh, chapter 46, verse 10. You've probably seen this a lot. I think we've even got one of the little boards painted with it at home. Uh, I aim to bring it this morning. But it says, To be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. I don't know about you, uh, but that's probably two of the hardest words to follow in the Bible, just to be still. We kind of say that a lot at our house. Be still. Don't do that. Quit. But I think God says that a lot of times, don't we? We're trying to run the race. We're trying to do all these things in our own strength. Uh, and it becomes hard. But if you look at it and study, uh, this word here is be still. It just means to cease striving. And uh, I don't want you to get confused here this morning and to think that it's a call to be passive. Because that's not what God calls us to do. He doesn't call us to give up. And just say, well, God, I know you're going to take care of it. You just, you just do it, and I'll sit back and watch you. That is not God's plan. This is a call to persistence. It's a call to trust God is what he's saying here. He says to be still and know. It's simply to trust in him and to keep on doing what he's called you to do. In those times that are hard and difficult, don't give up on God. And that's what Hezekiah, he was, he was not giving up. He knew it was looking pretty bad and, uh, and hopeless in the eyes of people. But uh, he, was, he was going to be faithful and continue to stay committed uh, to God. And you may be able to, uh, not to see the whole plan. Uh, and that Hezekiah, I'm sure, he didn't see that. God promised him he was going to take care of them and see them through that, but he didn't say how he was going to do it or when he was going to do it. Isaiah reminds us in uh, chapter 55, verse 8, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. If we could see that far away, we would probably mess it up. We would try to plan and get ahead of God. And that's what he's saying here, just to trust, continue faithful in that marriage, continue faithful in parenting, serving and teaching. Uh, sometimes those things are difficult. We don't see a lot of those fruits at that time. God says to continue. Don't give up. Uh, Galatians 6, 9 says, uh, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap the harvest if we don't give up. So don't give up on God. He wants to continue to use you. Be faithful and stay persistent. And then we move to the last verse here. The psalmist reminds us that we are never alone. He says, the Lord of hosts is with us. That's a present tense. He is with us. And he was reminding the people there that that same God who had delivered them back from the Assyrian camp, and from the Assyrian troops, was the same God that would be with us. And it's the same for us today. You remember back in there, how many was in that army that the angel destroyed that night? How many people was in the army? 185,000 was in that Assyrian army. Did you catch how many angels, though, that the Lord sent that night to slay them? He only sent one. Jesus was in the garden and he was praying. He said he could have called on 12 legions to deliver him. But he didn't. He could have called on thousands, but he only sent one to take care of it. That was all it needed. And he says here, he says, the Lord of all the angels, that's the one that's with us. If you'll stop and think about that, that's a great power source for us. Um, the power of the Lord himself, not these angels that he was speaking of here that it went to the camp, but the power of God Almighty, that's who is with us. And that's what he's reminding the people here, that same power source that's what lives in us. If you are a child of God, that's who, you're, that's who is in your, on your side. Uh, if I'm in a fight, that's who I want in my corner, isn't it you? And uh, 
he says that the writer says that he is with us. And if you'll look at that and uh, study a little bit, that word Emmanuel uh, comes from the root word of with us. And that's an important little term there. If you'll look over into Matthew chapter uh, 1, verse 23, it says, Behold, the virgin, remember up here we're looking at with us, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. If you'll look at that, that same God that was with them, that is the same God that came in the form of a virgin uh, birth and a small child. And God sent help in a time of trouble. And if you'll look at that here, this, uh, this word Lord, uh, he uses that, and it's a term for uh, in that time of Yahweh. And just a reminder of the personal covenant, covenant and relationship. And it refers to the one true God. And it reminds us that God wants a personal relationship with you. And that's why he sent Emmanuel, this son here, to be with us. Because he wants a personal relationship with you. And that is only through his son, Jesus Christ. God never intended for you to have to walk through this life and the trials and the tribulations that you're going to have by yourself. He's intended for you to be a part with him. And he invites you to do that today. And um, you see in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, uh, it says, Therefore God made him who knew no sin to be sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. And that's a reminder of the God that is with us. If you are in Christ, uh, then you have that same power. And it says uh, that, that God, um, he looked and he saw us in trouble. Just the same as it said there and as it finished up in uh, that last part of verse 1. It says he is our uh, present help in trouble. God looked upon us and he seen we were in trouble. Just like Hezekiah, we were up against a battle that we couldn't win on our own. And that battle was over sin and death. Uh, there was no way that we could do that in and of ourselves. It is only through Jesus Christ. And he gave his life for us that we could have victory. Just as Hezekiah and his people there were protected by God, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you can have victory over sin and death. So I want to ask you this morning, do you have victory? And if you don't, I want to ask you this morning, do you want victory? Uh, we started off there with looking at that. What confidence is this in which you trust? And I want to change that just a little bit here. Hezekiah, the, the king there of Assyria, he had it wrong. He was asking about what is your confidence in? But I want to ask you this morning, who is your confidence in? And that's what Hezekiah was pointing to. It was just his confidence was in the Lord. So I want to ask you this morning, do you have confidence in the Lord? If not, I want to encourage you that he's here. He is he is your refuge, he is your strength, and he is your help in, uh, in times of trouble. And he's there waiting for you. So if you would, um, call upon him today. He wants to bring you that help. Um, so if you would, let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for all your reminders throughout Scripture, God, that you alone um, are God, that, uh, that we can come to you, Lord, when we're facing trials and, and tribulations, Lord the good times and the bad times, it says you never change and you never will. God, I praise you that in our time of need of uh, just that payment and that penalty, God, that, that sin brings, uh, God, that you seen uh, fit to send forth your son, Jesus Christ, God, that we can have victory in our lives. And God, I praise you this morning. I pray that if there's one here that does not know that free pardon of sin, uh, God, that does not have victory, God, I pray this morning that they will surrender to you. 
And, uh, God, that they will call out upon the name that is above every name. And, uh, God, that name is Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we come to you again just thankful, God, for that hope and that confidence that we have in him alone. In his name we pray. Amen. You see, Jesus, he defeated uh, death, hell, and the grave on the cross. And uh, he finished up there as he was given up the Spirit. And he said, it is finished. You see, there was nothing left that needed to be done on God's behalf. He had done everything that needed to be done. But the only problem is there's one other thing that needs to be done. But that's on your behalf. God calls you today. He said it was finished on his end. But he allows you to be a part of it and to accept what he's done. Uh, so I want to ask you that this morning. Do you have that hope? Or do you have that confidence? And uh, so maybe you're here this morning and you need confidence. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe you're here this morning and you've got some things that, that you're facing that uh, seem way too hard, that you can't face any longer. Uh, I encourage you to be like Hezekiah and come and spread it out before the Lord and just allow him um, to take care of those things and just place your trust in him. So. In 2 Kings 18, in the, in the verses where Brother Mark was preaching, it stuck out to me. In verse 32, it said, Choose life, not death. 